Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. I am your host as always, Eli McCowan, and today I am joined by Devin Anderson-Torres and first-time guest Matt Schmucker. How are we doing today, everybody? Doing all right. Doing good. So, I gotta say from the start, you two have been just killing it with the protest coverage. Amazing for the last... It doesn't feel like it's been a month. It feels like it's been like a year of, of this now, of like of how slow time goes. But I just wanted to say before we got into everything, you guys have been killing it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, so today I brought on Matt and Devin to discuss sports it's, and also how they've become a voice for change in recent in the recent months here. It's always been a thing, but it's really become like mainstream over this last month. It's been insane. Matt and Devin both have backgrounds in sports and they've been covering the protests over the last month. Felt they would give some really good insight. But before we get into that, there's something else we kind of got to discuss in the next so-called greatest prospect since LeBron James next Kevin Durant apparently just committed to Michigan State University so Devin I'm gonna swing it to you first instant reactions on the completely random and out of nowhere commitment of Imani Bates um I think it's just like a, a crazy pickup for Tom Izzo I I initial reaction is I wonder if he's ever gonna step on the Breslin Center floor I think but if he does, I think that just shifts the whole dynamic of college basketball. I mean, Matt, your instant reaction to this as well. So I showed up to state and the the best couple of prospects that I've ever seen come through here are Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles Bridges. I, I was um, – so it, for those of you listening to the podcast that don't know, I'm a photographer. So I sit down on the baseline and I think it might've been the first game I ever shot as a photographer. I watched Jaron Jackson just absolutely dunk the hell out of the ball, just absolutely threw it down while I'm sitting on the baseline and went, Oh, that might be the best guy I've ever seen play. And Imani Bates is a bigger deal than that. Like, we're talking about biggest prospect since LeBron James. Like we've forgotten that Zion Williamson just came through the NCAA a couple of years ago. Like this is a huge deal. And I think my favorite thing about this too, is how everyone, every like sports journalist has had a story about this or written anything about it. They're like, man, this one time I saw Imani Bates play when he was in, everyone has like a thing of like this one time I saw Imani Bates and it's he played what's crazy to me is he played in at his local high school at Ypsilanti Lincoln he played down in my I live in the middle of nowhere and he played down in my county and this dude dropped 45 points on Adrian high school in one game and this guy I mean he's he's unbelievable he's 16 years old he's been I mean everyone's known about him for the last year we'll see what ends up happening um I had an article later earlier this week about his options he's got a lot of them he but like the more you look into it down the line the more I keep looking into it with the him saying he doesn't want to do the G League route overseas didn't even get mentioned and going straight to the draft doesn't look like a possibility by the time he's coming through with Adam Silver saying he's they're not even looking to talk about it until 2025 and with the name image and likeness rules coming into place he's going to be able to make endorsements by 2021 so I it's going to be interesting to see what he ends up doing, but I mean, 
the more I keep reading and understanding the rules and how they work, and by the way, they are an absolute just cluster. They're very confusing. They're, the rules don't make any sense. But the more I keep reading into it, he might be coming to Michigan State, which at first when I heard it, it was like, okay, is he really? But it's it's going to be crazy to see. And if Tom Izzo gets him on the floor, it, it's going to be, I mean, flashbacks to 27, 2017, 2018, like Matt was talking about with Jaron Jackson, Miles Bridges, but maybe even on a larger scale. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And then the aspect of him transferring to the Ypsi Prep with the potential to reclass, he could be here as soon as next year, right? Yeah. Yep. And Kyle Austin put out um, the scholarship lifts, uh, list of um, players who's going to be on there, the 13 who ticket scholarships. And literally there's 11 guys on that team. If Aaron Henry doesn't depart, which who knows, but that's, there's a lot of ifs and whens about him, Rocket Watts, whatever. But that roster in that year, if he does reclassify, could be absolutely insane. Then the other part of it too is if he reclassifies, you have to be – um, to go into the NBA draft, you have to be 19 during that calendar year, and so if he reclassifies, unless the rule changes, he's going to be able to. He's going to have to do two years at Michigan State as well. And two years of Imani Bates and Tom Izzo, I possibilities are endless. Yeah, I'd like to see that that lineup on the floor with Imani Rocket, um, AJ Hoggard is coming through, Maddie Soko, seven footer. At Malik Hall, Julius Marvel, they have a lot of young talent for Imani Bates in that year two, year, year one. A lot of bigs. Yeah. A lot. But it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to be speculating about what he's going to do for the next year, maybe two, depending on what he does. I mean, it's just – even if he doesn't, I mean, the impact he's going to have bringing in other recruits possibly as well is going to be immense. So it's going to be a really interesting time for these next year or two to see how basketball kind of comes together. But – like I said, the reason I wanted to bring you guys on today was because of sports becoming a real voice for change. We've seen this over our history where sports have kind of popped up and been the voice for change in a lot of different ways over our history. Looking back to the, um, I forget what year it was, the Mexico Olympics with like Tommy Smith um, and, oh goodness, his name's... 68. Yeah, 68, the Mexico with raising their fists in the air and then... You know, there's been countless times over history. It started way back that when, and it's continued to be today. And in this time for change, after the death of George Floyd, they've really become amplified. So, Matt, I'll kind of swing it to you. This moment in our history seems really big. And, like, I want to ask how you feel about all sudden athletes just coming together seemingly for one cause. Um, I mean, there's, first of all, there's a hell of a lot on the plate to to talk about in terms of politics and sports, but the, I mean, maybe the weirdest thing for me has been trying to watch the NFL as an organization come together around black lives matter after we just watched Colin Kaepernick, not a couple of years ago. I mean, he's still unable to find a job in the league and it's, it's not for lack of talent. And watching a lot of these organizations that have been really quiet and have even gone to silence their own players, watching these organizations come out and be like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're here for you is, has been a little bit strange to watch. 
but it's also been really cool to watch all of the individual athletes actually speak up and use their voice. Yeah, and I think the one thing about Colin Kaepernick too was that I had I had a column earlier when the when it, when the movement was really just at its peak there, and um, it was about I had I had a clip in there about Colin Kaepernick, and that ended up being the clip that went on our social media about him being you know he led a team to a Super Bowl, and I think he was at least two conference title games that he went to. Uh, he. <laughs> Led a team to a Super Bowl, had a conference title, maybe two. I, I don't know if you're – you might be right about that. And is also just one of the most interception-averse quarterbacks who have ever been forced out of the league into retirement early. Well, and my favorite part of it was, is I, of course, and I don't even know why I looked. I love I, – I did it to myself and I shouldn't have. I went to the Facebook comments just to look, and I shouldn't have done it. And somebody was saying, well, Kaepernick was not a bad quarterback and cherry-picked a bunch of stats. It's, and I was think, I read it, and I was like, you realize Nathan Peterman still has a job in the NFL, right? The man who threw five interceptions in one game. Like, if you think this is about talent, it's not. No. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people, and I think I would be one of them, who would say that if Kaepernick had continued playing in the league, he would, he would have been a top-half quarterback, which... You can't oversell how important a top half quarterback is. Yeah. Just, it, to see him completely have been just shut out of the league and then just watch owners and players and the league as a whole just be like, yeah, yeah, we're here for Black Lives Matter. It's been weird to watch. It's it's rich. It's really it's it's hilarious to watch it in a league that's been I mean, they've with Colin Kaepernick and every every other athlete that stood with him. They, they've been booed. They've been, you name it. It's happened to him. I forget. It was the one who also took a knee with Kaepernick the first time. You're getting drug tested, like, yeah, it was Eric Reed. They got drug tested like way more than usual, and all these different things. It's just. It's rich. And then, you, I mean, we also have a team in the NFL called the Washington Redskins. And we're not going to just talk about it's. It's very rich, seeing it, but you're right, how the NFL does it. Devin, I want to get you in on this, um, talking, I mean, talking about athletes speaking up as well. Yeah, um, I think I think it's important to note that it's not, it's not that the athletes have just started doing it, but I think that because there's no sports, because we're in quarantine and all the intentions really like, focused on to these athletes and these people using their voices it has more of an impact I mean Maya Moore is probably one of the more decorated athletes ever and mm-hmm. she gave up basketball in her prime to help Jonathan Irons who actually just got released from prison this week I believe yep she gave up an entire year of her WNBC season she's more decorated than you know than Kyrie Irving who who said that he may not play because in July went because he thinks it'll take away from the movement. But I also think that I guess we'll, we'll save this when we, when we go more into if sports should come back. But yeah, I think that a lot of the attention is now focused on athletes because they have this platform to use their voice. And it's been like really refreshing to see that so many of them, even those who aren't POC person of color or black or experience this directly, um, 
I think that a lot of their experiences are intersectional because they're a team, because they're there to to really support each other. And I think when we talk about how this is like politi- political in sports, I don't really like saying that because mm-hmm. it it's a humanity issue. It's not it's not politics. Black Lives Matter isn't politics. You know what I mean? It's 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 right and wrong, and it's like race racism versus not. And there's there's a right and a wrong there, and that's that's humanity. That's that's not political. Yeah, and that was one of the things when I first pitched it to you, Devin, and to Matt. Like I said, sports and politics, but I realized when I said that, I was like, that's not right though. Like it wasn't that wasn't what this was about, especially particularly right now. And there have been issues where sports and politics have come together on separate on different issues that were politically related. But like the Black Lives Matter movement and the coronavirus, either of them are not political at all. And and it's unfortunate because in a move on to this other thing that I, I think really frustrates me personally is frankly the double standard that white athletes and black black athletes have against each other or people are person of color athletes with a prime example was Laura Ingram who just I just drives me insane but her her thing with Kevin Durant LeBron about I don't even remember how long ago it was now I've lost track of time on anything anymore where she told LeBron and Kevin Durant to shut up and dribble because they had an opinion on uh, on President Trump and then as soon as Drew Brees had an opinion on something, he was a human being. And it was like, oh, well, I wonder what the difference was there. It's, it's quite evident. And we're seeing it now in very, various other ways. I mean, Devin, I'll swing it back to you again. Like, this double standard that seems that seemingly exists for um, different athletes, whether it be about their point of view, the color of their skin. I mean, how does, how does this even happen? <laughs> I think that... It's a it's a double standard a lot more than just sports and I think that because it has been instilled into the culture into the society to society like it has that's really where it it stems from and when you look at athletes they're on this stage where yeah they're getting they're getting paid to to dribble to play sports but they also have a platform this is kind of kind of touches back to us as journalists we have a platform we're talking about what's the difference between journalism and activism. And I think a lot of newspapers and publications are having this question right now where it's what's the difference between journalism and activism? Where do you draw that line? For us, we have to draw it somewhere. For athletes, they don't. They have a platform that they can use in whatever sense they want and to use it to better the community, to, to support like Black Lives Matter in this situation. It, it's like a must and I think that that's really where it gets me with the double standard where it's I, I don't even know how to like fathom the Lauren Ingram thing I, I, I couldn't even put it into context honestly I, I can't and I, I really wish I could and I really, really wish I had the words to describe what I think about it but I don't and it's just because I don't think anybody really should because that double standard shouldn't exist but it does and I I hope I really hope that that isn't a majority of people. Yeah. Well, and I saw in another clip um, yesterday, there was a Boston sports radio talking about Cam Newton being joining on the Patriots. And the two guys who were talking about it were like, 
oh, well, his antics, they need to calm it down because he's going around doing the Superman, doing all this. And then and then they were like, and then they switched to Gronk and they were like, oh, but Gronk can't ride his, like one of his other teammates on his back and swing around. It's just Gronk being Gronk. And it was like, it, it's very evident what side there is. I mean, don't, don't you agree, Matt? Absolutely. I mean, Boston's got a, plenty of, other issues to deal with that I'm not even going to get into uh, with, with with plenty of stuff over there. But it, I mean, with football, especially at the, I mean, especially at the quarterback position, even like just to be a black quarterback in the, in the league is a struggle unto itself. There, I mean, the it's a position where you think about guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady and, Cam Newton dabbed during how many years ago was that? He he just was dabbing on first downs, and that was just too much. He he's crazy. He's out of control. It's ridiculous. It's it's just mind blowing to me. And then the other thing with that though too is when I talked with on our last podcast, I had Cameron Caffey, who's a Michigan State wrestling star, come on to the podcast, and I asked him about this and wrestling. Quite frankly, I, I think the statistics were in the NCAA, it's 70% white, and then he is one of only 34 black wrestlers in the Big Ten. So this is an overwhelmingly white, and also one of the things he brought up was an overwhelming conservative sport. This is the way it lies. And he discussed how one of the things that always has happened to him was whenever he was, people were talking about him or talking about him as an athlete, it was always, oh, well, I have a God-given talent, and I have physical gifts, and I'm just so talented. And then when one of my teammates is getting talked about, oh, well, he, uh, who happened to be white, is a technically sound, he has good movements, he has good, he's very intelligent, he works really hard, and it's just like, it's always been a thing. It's always been something that's talked about. Isaiah Thomas for the Detroit Pistons was the first one to ever raise this when he talked about um, Larry Bird. He said about Larry Bird, he goes, you know, if Larry Bird happened to be black, he would be considered another athlete. But because he is white, he gets propped up to be this really hardworking, really, you know, like high intelligence guy. And it's something that I think has happened a lot. I mean, I mean, if we're talking to another sportscaster, what do you think they would feel about Cam Newton versus Drew Brees and describing him? Cam Newton's a physically gifted athlete. And it happens very, very often. But I, it's, it's just frustrating. I've never even realized, I never even realized this was a thing until I discussed it with Cameron. Like, it kind of just hit me. It was more like, oh my gosh, this is, it's very evident that this is actually like around. And I don't even know how to process that one. And I hope that I've never, or that we've never done anything like that. You know, I mean, if you look at Michigan State, the the quarterback that we've had here for the last couple of years is Brian Lewerke. If Lewerke were a black quarterback, we would have had very different conversations about Lewerke, who in his sophomore campaign had, I think it was like 600 rushing yards or something like mm-hmm. that, where typically when you think about that for a quarterback, that's a, that's a lot of rushing yards. That's a dual threat quarterback. But because Lewerke's a white quarterback... <laughs> That's not the conversation that has ever been around the worky. It's been, oh, he he's trying to become a pocket passer. He, he's the 
Lewerke's athleticism has never been the topic of his conversation. It's always been about Lewerke's head. And that's not the conversation that gets had about black quarterbacks. Well, I mean, prime example, how long have they been calling Lamar Jackson a running back? Years. It's been ever since he was, and then, I, how many, he had a ridiculous amount of passing yards too. It was a hell of a a passer. It's just like, it's very evident. I'm glad you brought up the little worky thing. It it is quite evident how it goes. But it's frustrating to me on the other end of it too, for these athletes who are speaking up and for quite, uh, quite frankly, it's a journalist thing too, whenever, um, someone speaks out about anything. Um, I think a prime example was Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press. He, when the, uh, what, Operation Gridlock, that first big coronavirus protest that they did, and there were reports that, like, the hospital was getting blocked, and I don't rem- I believe it was at the time. Matt, you were there. I was there. They, they did fully block the, the hospital for for at least some period of time. Yeah, and, and Solari raised the question and was upset about them blocking the hospital. He goes, you guys can do what you want, but you're blocking the hospital. And immediately everyone attacked him and said, well, we want your sports opinions, not your opinions on this. And he went back at him. And everyone criticized him because, oh, well, he's not sticking to sports. And it happens with athletes all the time. Devin, I'll bring it back to you since you've been kind of quiet. I mean, what does stick to sports actually really mean when it comes down to it? I think that a lot of people, a lot of people that are the ones right now that are avoiding these conversations, use sports as an escape. Mm-hmm. What happens when the athletes don't allow sports to be the escape? What happens when the athletes say, you're going to focus on the subject because we're going to make you, because if whether you're watching the news or whether you're watching me play football, me play basketball, me dribble, you're going to be, we're going to be forcing the subject down your throat. And I think that's what, when people say stick to sports, those are those people who don't want that. They don't want, oh, sports is a game, sports is this. I watch sports for entertainment. Well, you're watching sports for entertainment and you're having a problem with this because you're avoiding those conversations. You're avoiding the realization that maybe stick to sports isn't what you should be doing. You're avoiding the realization that maybe you should be doing more and maybe you sh- you should have a problem with this and the fact that you don't and that these athletes are shoving it down your throat is making you feel insecure or a certain way about how you're how you take sports and how you how you go about daily life, right? I think I think that Sports in general, I guess just to sum it up, is an escape for a lot of people. And I think that when athletes don't make an escape, those people that are using the escape for the wrong reasons have a problem with it. And I think the thing about it is, is for a lot of these athletes who are in sports and the coaches, whatever it may be, is sports aren't, they can't, like, they don't get to escape it because they live the same problems that they have in sports than they do in the normal society. Bringing it back to the NFL, I mean, who's just been a dumpster fire for a long time for these issues, is they've literally been proven incapable to hire qualified um, people of colors to the 
through their head coaching positions or to general manager positions, to high-ranking positions. So in, instead of hire, these owners who have been proven and capable of doing so have to be incentivized by the NFL with draft picks or compensation to do it. And it's like, there's that. You look at um, Adam Jones was a player at... I don't remember where he was playing at when he was when he was with the Orioles. I think it was at Boston. It was at Fenway. Like again, back to Boston. But like it was at Fenway. He got berated by someone in the stands who was calling him racial slurs from the stands and was throwing crap at him from the out from the thing when he was sitting in the outfield. Soccer, as much as it's a sport all right around the world has all kinds of problems in the Premier League with race, racist fans who do chants and everything during the game. Thankfully, there's no fans in there, so they can't do that right now. But it's it's hard, for I think, for athletes to be able to get away from it because they can't. Because I think what they're, when people tell them to stick to sports, it was like, okay, well, then we need to fix these problems before we can get there. But... Yeah, you mentioned baseball. I I just want to bring up. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, I think it was Ian Desmond made a statement uh, mm-hmm. a, a couple of days ago, um, and like, because as much as we talk about football in the NBA, the, those issues have been on a spotlight. Like they, those issues have been at the front of those sports for a while, and you, you mentioned baseball. You mentioned hockey. You mentioned soccer. Those issues are there too and uh what ian desmond's statement uh brought up is uh, the same thing that you brought up with with the nfl is that i think he said that there were i don't remember the exact numbers but there's almost no black head coaches there's almost no black gms i think it the (laughs) there's racism all throughout the sport and just because it isn't being talked about at the moment or it just because it isn't in the spotlight at the moment doesn't mean it doesn't need to be talked about as well. Yeah, it is because currently one of the stories that will be going in our Senate home edition for the state news is one thing that I worked on was diversity and how there's a lack of diversity in the head coaching positions and in a lot of the non-revenue sports that oftentimes a lot of people of color cannot participate in because they're at a lower economic standing than so many individuals. And a lot of our sports have become so they're not accessible because they cost so much money. Hockey being one of them. People, it's like I, the tournaments, all the things you have to put together, and these players can't get, even get to it. They're not accessible. And all these head, these qualified, it's, it's mind-blowing to me to look at the statistics for men's basketball when it's going through it. The NCAA has a, um, a race demographic um, report that they put out every single year. And the men's basketball one is by far the most just, it's mind-blowing. So here for men's basketball, you look at assistant coaches in men's basketball. 48% of them are black assistant coaches. When you go in, and that is the majority, it's 40%, 47% white, 48% black, and then the other 5% is classified as other. You look at head coaches it is 69% white to 28% black for the head coaching positions in college basketball. There's just an incredible discrepancy and lack of access to these higher ranking positions for many who are qualified. And it's, it's mind blowing to me. It really is. So, but talking about, um, 
these issues still do exist in college, and we're seeing it now with Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa, many other colleges standing up. Matt, I'll ask you, how will this change college sports with so many college student-athletes? This is really the first time we've kind of seen these student-athletes really, outside of just one or two, raise their voice and see for change. So what does this mean for college sports, and how could this change it? I think that this is going to be a really interesting situation to see where coaches stand on these issues because if you are a college student playing underneath a head coach you can granted you can speak up if you're even if your head coach isn't certainly like fond of it I guess but I think it was uh was it Dabo Swinney at Clemson that yeah um that uh recently had accusations come out about him that uh he was using slurs just verbally abusing players it was the assistant at clemson there was an assistant at clemson it wasn't swinging himself if that's the environment i can't imagine that many of those players are going to speak up about black lives matter but you have other coaches in different places that are going to be more supportive of those issues and i think we'll see some of those players speak up but i think it's going to kind of be a litmus test of how comfortable are these athletes to, to speak up in this environment? Yeah. Devin, I'll swing it to you and ask the same thing. How do you think this can change college sports? Yeah, so I think um, in general, this is a really important moment for the NCAA itself to establish itself as anti-racism, and that's not really just releasing a statement like the NFL did, Right. It's it's more than that. Um, as like as you know, or if you don't, whoever's listening, I covered the women's beat for Spartan basketball. One of the players there, um, Marjorie Cook, tweeted out like like added to the NCAA said, "Your black athletes, who make up a majority of your athletes in general, um, in certain sports." are waiting for your response and waiting for your action. Yeah, I think the NCA has a lot to change right now, and I think it's a matter of them stepping up and doing it. Or we could see cuz there's, there's a lot of ways that the NCA could crumble right now. The G League as, as, as far as their revenue sports, the G League is a really good like is looking more and more incentivizing. You're they're losing a lot of good recruits there. They're losing recruits to overseas what happens if they don't take a stand here that that would be my question yeah well and i think the other thing that this kind of ties into a little bit now and we'll wrap up with this before we get into our little fun thing that we try to do to make this a little bit lighter is that you know Kyrie irving like you said has raised the question does returning ultimately take away from the message at hand and I think it's, it is an interesting thing to talk about, you know, does returning do more people instead of going out, speaking of, or they, does the discussion get switched to that, to sports being back, all those things. Matt, I'll bring it back to you. Do you think that sports actually take away from that change that's happening? I don't think that sports take away from that change. Like, sports is, isn't, like, inherently different from anything else that would ever be going on it's just when sports gets that kind of like 
sterilizing, sanitizing, just clean swipe of like stick to sports. We can pretend that it's that it doesn't have intersectionality with all these other issues, but sports is always going to have those kind of topics woven into it. It's always going to have sports is never going to be clean of those things. And it's never really going to be a distraction from those things because those things are always going to be there in sports. Yeah. Devin, I'll swing it over to you. Yeah. um, I think this kind of touches back to what we were talking about earlier, where sports in a sense is a form of escapism Um, in whatever way you want to look at that. And it doesn't have to necessarily be people who are trying to escape what's going on. But, you know, like you had a long day at work. Maybe you just want to watch NBA Tuesday, right? Um, I think that sports doesn't take away from the message. In fact, I, I really think the opposite. I think it can amplify it. I think that if they come back, specifically talking about the NBA, if they come back and they continue to push and be vocal, like how how a couple years back they, they wore the I Can't Breathe shirts, right? Mm-hmm. That was talked about. That that was trending on Twitter, whatever that time was. It Sports can be a platform and it won't take away with it won't take away from the movement if they if they use their platform to continue. Yeah. I think I, I think you hit it right on the head there, Devin. It is like a it amplifies it in my mind where I see where they're um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Premier League, been watching it for the last few years, and they've been wearing on the back of their shirts, Black Lives Matter. They've taken um, knees before the game, um, all different kinds of things, and it's I, I think it's a way for them to amplify. I think you put them on the court. Um, I know in the NBA they're talking about putting Black Lives Matter on the court along with allowing teams to customize their jerseys in a different way, different ways possibly as well. I think when you put it, because I think the key thing about this is changing the minds of the people who still haven't yet. Because I think the people who are still engaged and are still saying, going out and saying Black Lives Matter, we want change, we need to do these different things to make things better, they're already here. They're, so how do you reach that other end where they're still where they're still not understanding the message and maybe it's one that's saying all lives matter or they're saying and they're not quite putting together the thing. I think sports can be a way to put that platform in front of so many people who maybe don't understand the issue and maybe or maybe not even not understand it, but maybe gives them another perspective and keeps it in front of them, keeps them thinking. I, th- I think it'd be a way to do that as long as the sports and I'm glad to see that the NBA is looking at ways to change that hopefully baseball does the english premier league has hopefully other sports continue to do that Um, but is there anything else you guys want to add before we get into our little fun part here sports to me i've i've been covering sports since i've gotten to msc in 2017 uh is wait are you guys having yeah, any lag issues? For me. Are you good, Matt? I'm good. Devin started cutting out, and I wasn't sure if he was talking or not, and I okay. didn't want to talk over Devin. You're good. You're good. Go for it, Matt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been covering sports at MSU since I got here in, like, 2017, and in that time, it, I've 
had to cover a hell of a lot else here at, at MSU. I mean, it, I mean, the the first couple of years of my coverage, I just called it sports and courts because we had this really huge intersection between sports and sexual abuse. Those two stories came together at MSU at a in a really big national story with uh, with the Nasser case that happened here, and we we saw it a couple other places where uh, sexual abuse and college college sports whether it be gymnastics or wrestling or something else has popped up somewhere else and sports is never going to be free of those other kinds of stories sports is always going to coexist with those stories and thinking about sports as independent of those other things is always going to be a mistake yeah absolutely well I guess we'll go ahead and we'll transition into our fun part here that I thought would be interesting. Considering it is 2020, we have an election year, I thought we would do something fun here. We get to make our own sports party. That's what we're going to do. Our own third party to eventually swing the election to one other person, I guess, is all it's ever going to do. But we're going to pretend that we're going to try to win this election with a third party. And that is... You have to make up a third party made up of only sports players, coaches, leaders, commissioners, whoever wants to be out of the sports world to make your presidential candidate, vice president, and your campaign manager to win an election. So I'll go ahead and I'll start. I put mine together. I have as my president, Adam Silver. Adam Silver for literally everything he has done, has unified the NBA, who's had multi- multiple different things come into the NBA, multiple different issues. He's found a way to unify, bring things together, and and is just someone in the NBA community who is just, there's nobody that has a problem with him. He's consistently done the right things. He does what he continues to do. I think he's a really good candidate to bring people back together the way he's kept the NBA together, kept everyone happy. There's no issues. His running mate. I battled with this and I wanted to make him my president, but I ultimately ended up making LeBron his running mate because of what he's been able to do. He's proposed so many he's done so many great things for his community, whether it be the I Promise school, He's now putting together the um, uh, voter protection program that he's doing to make sure people have, um, that are are not getting their voting rights like taken advantage of, taken away from them. Like we're seeing in so many southern areas where uh, we're in my, typically minority areas where there's really long lines that are getting blocks sent away for certain reasons. Um, I mean, he's just been incredible in everything he's done. And he's a unifier as well. There's not many people who you can find that dislike him. He has nothing in his history that you can go back to and be like, oh, look at what he did. You know, he's just got a great history. The person I have to run the campaign, choosing Oklahoma football head coach Lincoln Riley. That man has orchestrated an offense in a program for the last however long it's been there. His offense has run so smooth. I'm like, he can run a campaign. He's young. He's in his mid-30s. He'll understand how to do certain things, get to the younger base, how to coordinate things the right way. think he could be the good one to do it. Devin or Matt, who wants to go? You, you, want, me to, you want me to go? Go ahead, Matt. Okay, so... My president... I'm going to go with Serena Williams. Has there... 
honestly ever been a more dominant athlete in their sport. No. I legitimately don't think there has been, just ever. Just simply the greatest of all time in, in her respective sport. Maybe she'd be the greatest president of all time. Who's to say? Um, vice president. Now, this position, you don't need somebody flashy. You need somebody who gets the job done. That's why I'm going to go with Tim Duncan. Give me just absolute, just post-bank shots from the vice president spot all day. I don't need it to be flashy. Mr. Fundamentals. Just absolutely fundamental. Uh, then, what's, what's the other one? Campaign manager? Yep. So, my pick here, uh, I grew up watching a lot of Tigers baseball, and uh, my pick here, um, is he good? No. Uh, Some would say he was pretty bad. Um, Is he well-known? No. Uh, He he didn't do much at all. Um, Give me Jeremy Bonderman, because that man got his innings in. That dude was not good he i don't think he ever posted an era under four but man if he didn't get those innings and in, he pitched for he pitched for so many innings over like a 10-year career and that man was persistent and if that isn't going to get the job done i don't know what is it's a man who's going to work hard for you for your campaign he's going to in the hours <laughs> Devin, i'll swing it to you who's your candidates who's your who's your campaign manager Okay, um, I think that for similar reasons that you talked about LeBron, I think I would make him my my presidential candidate. I think following LeBron as a VP, I'm going to go with Maya Moore. We talked about Maya Moore a little bit earlier, but I think she's someone that really advocates for the people, and you've seen that she's willing to make sacrifices to do so, and... I think that as far as a VP goes, you can't ask for much better as for somebody that's going to push policy and reform and advocate for like the change that needs to happen internally as well as externally. And get things done. She's accomplished a lot in this last year. Yeah, she gets stuff done. And then, geez, campaign manager. You know what? I think I'm going to go with the captain, Derek Jeter. Mm. He... Wait, what was that expression for? No, I was saying it was interesting. Oh, okay. Um, so he was in the spotlight, like the New York spotlight, for so long, and he remained like a, like just like a solid dude, right? Who you want somebody that can handle that pressure? And I think that as far as a campaign manager goes, he could handle the pressure. Yeah. The my honorable mention for me was Megan Rapino, who's been an absolute just badass in whatever she's needed to accomplish. She's pushing for equal pay in women's soccer. She's been one of the only who knelt in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. She's she's another one who is amazing. Uh, and the I mean she's just been incredible in social issues. Like you said, Maya Moore. I mean, shout out to her. Like, the the sacrifice she had to do, she sacrifices a year of her prime. She, I don't know if she's planning on coming back or not or whatever she decides to do, but she sacrificed her prime to go out and do that. I mean, it's been incredible. Also, 
Man, I gotta say, this, the Serena Williams choice was also a great one. She's just been dominant in everything as well. But, yeah, I think, we have, I think we'd win. I think we'd win this election. Whatever, whoever, whatever ended up being, I think we'd win for sure. All three of them are great. But Please give me Tim Duncan in politics. I, I just give me Mr. Fundamental. <laughs> yeah, he would be amazing. But that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Matt and Devin for joining us and giving their perspective. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, we will catch you guys in two weeks when we come back with a new episode of the Roundtable. Thank you, everybody, for listening and have a great day.